I want us to go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verses 33 and 34. I'm going to do something this morning that I don't do very often, and that is share something that I have shared but a long time ago. feel it was the right thing to bring this morning. Mark 15, verses 33 and 34, describing Jesus hanging on the cross. It says, And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. I'm going to ask you the question, until when? The ninth hour. I want you to remember that, the ninth hour. It says, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at when? The ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama Sabachthani, there you go, Lama Sabachthani, which by interpretation is the words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Darkness increases until the ninth hour, at which point Jesus cries out, God, why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me? It is dark, and all our senses tell us that God has abandoned us. What is going on? What is going on? I have good news for you. Can you handle some good news today? I've got good news for you. There's a principle that we are taught right in Genesis chapter 1. Is that God's day starts at sundown, not at sunrise. Come on. God's day starts at sundown, not sunrise. If you don't get it, we are told not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, not five times, but we are told six times in Genesis chapter 1 that the evening and the morning was the first day. The evening and the morning was the second day, and so on through all six days of creation. Let me say it loud, and let me say it clear God's day starts when the sun goes down. We reckon from sun up to sundown, but that's not God's day. God's day starts when the sun goes down. Are you hearing it? I'm asking again. Are you hearing it? When does God's day start? When the lights go out, God's beginning a new day. 
Come on. When the lights go out, God is beginning a new day. When things go dark, when things appear that all the powers of darkness are actually winning the day, the fact is, the truth is, that God is closing out an old day and He is giving birth to a new day. God's day always begins with darkness. Well, I thought we'd be excited. God's day always begins with darkness. The greatest example is what I just read. The example of the crucifixion of Jesus hanging on the cross is the greatest proof of that statement. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, everybody believed that his mission ended in massive failure. Everybody got discouraged. The two on the road to Emmaus said, we had hoped that this was the one. Massive discouragement, massive failure. His disciples flee. People get very disheartened. It appears as if the kingdom of heaven has been defeated. Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind and even raised the dead, could not this man have prevented this from happening? Did he need to die? From the perspective of the common man on the street, the appearance is this. No more miracles, because the miracle worker is gone. No more healing the sick and the diseased. No more compassion for the poor. No more restoring a dead son back to a widow. No more multiplying bread in the wilderness. No more lepers being cleansed. All is now engulfed in a sense of hopelessness and dreams that were once allowed to dream because things were happening are now shattered. It is all ended with Jesus hanging on the cross. We had hoped, we had hoped, we had hoped that this would turn into something But now it appears with Jesus hanging on the cross that evil is once again going to continue to dominate and rule our dull days. It appears, I use the word appears, it appears as if darkness has defeated the day. Or has it, is my question. Now, because you and I are believers... We know the end of the story. So you could sit there with great confidence and says, no matter what it appeared, as darkness took over the whole land, and Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Since you already know the end of the story, you know that's not the end of the story. Amen? You know there's a resurrection to come, don't you? You know there's daybreak after the darkness, don't you? We know these things. And yet, when these things happen to us, when these things happen to us, we tend to think that when the evening hour comes into our life, that the day is done. Is that not correct? Don't we tend to think that? We think that the day is done. But I've got good news for you. When those things happen, the day is not done. God's closing out an old day, an old day that He might give birth to a new 
day. You and I know that what appeared as disaster to Jesus was not disaster. And yet when we ourselves go through challenges and trials, uh, we think the day's over. That's not the case. Listen carefully. When darkness closes in, when sickness seems to prevail, when circumstances become heavy, when pressures mount, when our family is in turmoil, when weight is heavy on our shoulders and our minds, when our emotions are become heavy laden with burdens and cares which don't seem to go away, when it's hard to put one foot in front of the other, when the wind has knocked when the wind has been knocked out of our sails, when one discouragement piles on top of another, has the enemy of our souls really won the battle? Has he really won the battle? Have you ever noticed that we press into the kingdom of heaven? Because we preached this a while ago, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent have to take it by force. And when we begin to believe God, and we begin to press in, and we're asking God to extend His hand to perform miracles and signs in the name of Jesus. When we do these things, have you ever noticed, instead of healings taking place, more people get sick? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed when you're pressing in and asking for God to break into our families, more rebellion happens? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that before dawn, it always gets dark? Have we noticed these things? Do we understand what is happening when the lights go out? When everything you pray for, what you experience, is, seems to be the exact opposite of the things that you pray for. It's going dark. I've got good news if we can receive it. The good news is, this is normal. You don't think that's good news. <laughs> This is normal. What it means is that when the darkness closes in, it means God is at work to produce a new day. Amen. Amen. If you don't believe me, let's look at some examples in Scripture. The story in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are in prison at midnight thrown into the inner dungeons of this jail. Now, Acts 16 starts out a whole lot more positive than that. Because they were preaching through the region of Galatia in early Acts chapter 16. They had finished their work of revival there, and they didn't know where to go. And so they are seeking the Lord. And the Bible says they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit said no. They tried to go into a place called Mysia, but the Spirit said no. And they kept seeking the Lord. They kept knocking on doors. They kept trying things. 
but everything was closed on them. And then Paul gets a vision in a dream in the night, a man over in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And so assuredly gathering the Lord had called us there, they set sail and they ended in Macedonia, and they ended up in a city called Philippi. And God had led them to a prepared harvest. Because they found some women there who prayed at the river. But it says there that there was a certain lady by the name of Lydia. Now your Bible says, whose heart the Lord had opened. Thank God that he opens people's hearts. Amen. Whose heart the Lord had opened. And they ministered there and things were happening and people were getting, whole households were getting baptized in the river. And in Acts chapter 16, a lot of breakthroughs are happening because this is the first time the gospel has gone to the continent of Europe. It's the first time that you read about in your Bible of what's called household salvation. Lydia's family is the first one that we have a record of where the whole house comes to faith in the Lord. They're all baptized. It's the first time you ever read about Christian hospitality. Not that it didn't happen before, but it's the first record of it. And it's the first time you have women in leadership in the Philippian church. And there are miracles taking place. There are signs and wonders taking place. Because as Paul would go from the house to the place of prayer at river, they would go through the city of Philippi, and there was this demon-possessed slave girl who could prophesy and predict the future. These servants are, these men are servants of the Most High of God, and, and they're showing to us the way of salvation, and Paul being grieved in the Spirit. You know, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of that girl, and that girl was delivered from demonic forces. There was a manifestation of the power of God. People were getting saved. The church was being built in the house. It was all very positive. It was all very good. And then the lights went out. This was an act of God. This was Holy Spirit initiative, what was happening there in Philippi. Then the lights went out. Darkness came upon that situation. Remember the story, don't you? The owners of that slave girl were upset because they lost their income. So a citywide riot is brought against Paul and Silas. These men are beaten. You and I can't appreciate what it means to be beaten by the Romans. You're flogged with an inch of your life. Paul the Apostle did not have to do that. You know that. Because on another occasion he says, I'm a Roman citizen, you can't beat me without trial. And yet for a reason, he allows himself and Silas to be beaten. Not only are they beaten, their backs are bleeding, but they are thrust into the innermost prison. Not just into prison, but it says into the innermost prison. And it's midnight. In other words, it's dark. In every sense of the word, it is dark in there. But Paul and Silas can't go down for going over. Come on now. They had an attitude. They had a tenacity in their heart 
and in their spirit because they know that God is in control. They know that they are there by God's leading and by the Holy Spirit's initiative. They know that they are there in the will of God. And they know that our God reigns. And they have disciplined their heart, they have disciplined their minds, and they have disciplined their emotions to not pay attention to the details of their life, but to discipline themselves, to pay attention that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, He's seated on the throne, He is God, and He is in control, and God will make everything work together for good. And so they have, in the darkest moment of their life, when circumstances are the worst, when they're hurting, when they're bleeding, when there is no daylight, when it is pitch black, when their feet and their hands are in stocks and bonds, and they're in innermost prison where there is no light, but there is light in their soul. And they begin at midnight to worship the Lord. And they praised the Lord. And you know the story well. As they began to rejoice in the Lord... The Lord sends an earthquake, sets the prisoners free. The Philippian jailer gets saved. Another household salvation taking place. Philippian jailer gets saved. And in the morning, when the magistrates have heard what has happened, they are afraid. What kind of men are these? Who are these men? Cast out demons throw them in prison, and earthquakes happen. What kind of men, what manner of men are these people? And the magistrates are scared, especially when Paul now lets out the information that, hey, you maybe have not known it, but you have beaten Roman citizens without a trial. Shall I report you to Caesar? The tables have been turned immensely. And now Paul is in control of that situation. Well, he always was. Now he's in control of that situation. And what happens is because the magistrates have done wrong, that Paul was able, through taking that beating, he was able to purchase the freedom of the Philippian church. And you will never read again in any history that the church at Philippi ever suffered persecution from them again. And you know what happened out of darkness? When things went dark, a new day was birthed. And what God gave birth to was missions on the continent of Europe. And it established a beachhead and a safe place. I've got news for you. Every morning, the darkness gives up. You need to get up about 5 in the morning. Why? Because you're going to see a miracle. And you know what you're going to see every morning? The darkness always surrenders. Come on. The darkness always surrenders. It's a new day. When things go dark, it is a new day. Day. God's giving birth to something. If you don't believe me, I want you to consider the story of Jonah. Have you ever been in the belly of a whale? How many never want to be? 
Have you ever been in the belly of a whale? I want to tell you something. It is a dark place. It is pitch black without any sense of light in any way, shape, or form. Have you ever been in the belly of a whale? Let me tell you something. It stinks. Have you ever felt like you've been plunged into the depths of hell? Have you ever had your head wrapped about with seaweed? Have the depths ever closed in on you? Has your life taken you down and down and down? Jonah was a man who went down to Joppa. Then he went down to the boat. Then he went down to the bottom of the boat. And then he went down to the depths of hell itself. Have, has life ever taken you down and down and down and down again? Jonah was taken down and down until he was in the depths of hell. Have you ever descended to the very bottom? Have you ever been drenched in vomit? That's an awful thought, isn't it? I could tell you a story. I wasn't feeling well that day. I should have stayed home. Some 30 years ago. <laughs> Some 30 years ago. I had an appointment with a bank officer. I should have stayed home. Darla drove me into town. I got out of the car. When I stepped out of the car, I felt wheezy. It was not good. I should have stayed home. I got out of the car, stepped on the curb. I said, oh, this is rough. But I had an appointment to keep. So I go to the bank and up the elevator. And I go into this room of offices here. And, and there's a guy sitting at the desk. And I have to sit there. And, and uh, can I help you? Folks, I lost it. All over him. <laughs> All over his desk. I should have stayed home. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's terrible. Have you ever been drenched in vomit? Wasn't a good thing. Did we get the loan? I can't remember. <laughs> but, uh, but, Jonah had gone down and down and down. And he had to learn how to cry to God from the very deep depths of despair. Jonah had to and Jonah did. What came out of this? What was the result of this dark place? Did God make it work for good? Did God turn a corner in history here? The answer is yes, he did. Because in the morning, the darkness gave up again. And something called foreign missions was birthed. God used a dark thing to give birth to missions. He used a dark place to give birth to missions in Europe. And through Jonah, he gives, darkness gives up and gives birth to a thing called missions, foreign missions. You don't believe me that God works this way. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, David, the one who was anointed to be the king, he is reduced to hiding in a cave, a cold, dark, damp cave called Adullam. Have you ever retreated into the recesses of a cave? Let me tell you, it's a dark place. 
David had been anointed by Samuel to be the king of Israel, but what did it get him to have a call of God on his life? All it got him so far was nothing but trouble and persecution. The call of God on his life made him a target. Where is the promise of God? Through fear, he had been reduced to acting like a demonized madman in front of the Philistine king. David is tired of running, but he has no choice. It's run or be killed. He is full of fear. He's experienced failure. And his only safe spot that he could find was in a cold, dark, damp cave called Adullam. Not very pleasant circumstances. The lights have gone out in his life and his experience. If that's not enough, in that cave, he is joined by those people who are distressed, by those people who are in debt, and by those people who are discontented. All of them who are equally tired of the hopeless stresses of life under King Saul. And they're all gathered in a dark place. But something happened in that dark place. In that dark place, they learned to praise. Have you ever got to discipline yourself to praise the Lord? They learned to praise. They learned to stop complaining. They learned to set their lips to honor God and to magnify the Lord. And David would say to this bunch of discontented people, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. And in the midst of the darkness, just like Paul and Silas, they had learned to praise God in the midst of the worst of circumstances. And in the darkness of the cave, hidden away under the cover of darkness in the midst of desperate times, God puts some steel into their souls. He put some backbone into their backbones and He ignited a fire in their bellies. They went into the darkness, distressed and discontent, desperate people, but they came out as praisers of God. They came out of that cave not the same way they came, went in. They came out as David's mighty men. Something happens under the cover of darkness. The darkness gave up again. And light follows the darkness. So there is a principle in scripture here. Just like the time that Jesus was hanging on the cross... God works under the cover of darkness. The details of your future, the details of your miracle, the details of your salvation are being worked out when the lights are out. Come on. That's when God does His best work. If you don't believe me, consider what Jesus taught in John chapter 12 and verse 24. He said, unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth much fruit. I have a question for you. Have you ever been put underground and covered by dirt? Not literally, but a lot of you would say probably... Metaphorically, I certainly have. 
just people pile a bunch of dirt on you. Or you feel your circumstances are just all these awful circumstances piled on you and piled on you and piled on you. Let me tell you, when you get buried in the ground and you're covered with dirt, it's a dark place. But a miracle happens in a dark place. Come on. A miracle happens in dark places. Because the seed loses the seed coat. And what happens is new life springs forward. In other words, new life is birthed in a dark place. Psalm 139, verse number 13. Do you ever remember being in your mother's womb? Can your memory go back that far? Well, I tell you what, if it could, you would discover this about being inside your mother's womb. It's a dark place. There isn't one shred of light to be found inside that womb. It is complete, absolute darkness. But listen, conception always begins in a dark place. When things go dark, it's because God is conceiving something. Something is taking place in the dark. It was under the cover of darkness, according to Psalm 139, that God knit us together. Under the cover of darkness, God weaved into us what we were to be. He put our DNA together under the cover of of darkness. He said, I'm going to make that one a little like this and a little like that. And I'm going to put this tendency and I'm going to give them that kind of a heart and that kind of a mind, that kind of a soul. And all that putting together the components of you was done in the dark. It was done hidden from sight and nobody can see it happen. But here's what it says in verse 12 of Psalm 139. What appears to be darkness to you and me is not darkness to God. Dark or day makes no difference to God. One is as plain as the other to Him. Now that's good news. Because I think things going dark, but God just sees what He's doing. Are we catching the point here? Are we catching the principle here? When the lights have gone out, what is happening is God is weaving something new as He is preparing to give birth to a new Initiative. Yet again, the darkness always gives up. Every morning, the darkness always gives up. Now Jesus, at what hour of the cross did he cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The ninth hour. That is significant. And I'll tell you why it's significant. Because in the Jewish reckoning of how to tell time in the day, the ninth hour is that precise moment in the day when the sun ceases to rise and it begins its descent. The ninth hour is when the sun stops rising and it goes down. The ninth hour is the very moment that dusk begins. From the ninth hour, what happens is the light gets less and less and darkness gradually increases until night snuffs out the day. The ninth hour 
in the Old Testament is the very hour of what's called the time of the evening sacrifice. So that moment of the day when the sun starts, stops rising and starts the setting, that's the moment that we have the evening <coughs> sacrifice. Now that should tell us something. That should tell us something. So when we experience that moment in our lives where we think we're on the way down, what should we do at that moment? What should we do at that moment? What is that time for? It's time for the evening sacrifice. So what's our response when things seem to go backwards? What's the right response? When we pray for healing and people seem to get sick instead of being healed, what's the right response? When we pray for breakthrough and the, and the burden gets more, what's the right response? It's time for the evening sacrifice. Let me tell you about a man who made an evening sacrifice. You read about him in 1 Kings chapter 19. His name is Elijah. You remember the prophets of Baal and the contest on Mount Carmel? Do you remember what that story? Do you remember how dark the was upon the land? Do you remember how Queen Jezebel had murdered the prophets of the Lord? And if you happened to escape her hand, you were hiding for fear of your life. And nobody was coming forward. And the, the worship of the Lord was outlawed. Do you remember the dark days of Ahab and Jezebel? Do you remember her, her idea was not just to do away you know, with, with the worship of the Lord. It was to exterminate the whole thing out of the land. It was a dark day. Three and a half years it was dark in that country. And you remember how God appeared to a man named Elijah. And you remember how he challenged the prophets of Baal to a contest. And you remember how the prophets of Baal went first. Whichever God calls fire down from heaven, that is the Lord. And you remember the prophets of Baal went first. You remember that? And you remember how they danced and they sang and they cut themselves with knives and they were into self-harm and they were into all sorts of stuff. But God, their God Baal could not respond. And when it's Elijah's turn to make the sacrifice, could you guess at what time of day it was he did it? What time was it? It was the ninth hour, the time of the evening sacrifice. It's the time when the lights start to go out. What Elijah does is he makes the sacrifice. And let me tell you what happens at the ninth hour. The power of God falls. Come on. The power of God falls. We have to be bold and make our sacrifice in the very face of darkness encroaching us. The power of God fell. How many want to see the fire fall? Do we want to see revival? Do we want to see Pentecost restored? Do we want to see the fire of God fall? I'll tell you when it happens. It happens when things go dark. That's when it happens. Don't believe me? Book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 1. You read about Peter and John. 
You know what they did? They went to the temple to pray. Would you tell me what time of day it was when they went? Acts 3 verse 1, what does it tell you? What was the time of day when they went to the temple to pray? The ninth hour. What time of day is that? That's when things start to go dark. And you know what happened in the ninth hour? There's a beggar there. Jesus must have passed this man many times in his lifetime. There's a beggar there. Looking at Peter and John put out his hand for alms. Something happened at the ninth hour. Peter says, I can't handle this. I don't have silver with me. I haven't got gold. But what I have, I'm giving you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the guy didn't have a choice because Peter took him by the hand whether he wanted to or not. And he pulled him by his hand. And the Bible says immediately strength went into his ankle bones. And that man went leaping and walking and praising God. And he went even went into the temple for the first time in his life. Because they wouldn't let a cripple in there. That's unclean. For the first time in his life, he goes into the temple. And the crowd begins to gather around. And they're so amazed at this miracle that happened at the ninth hour. Thousands gathered around because this man was well known. And let me tell you something that happened at the ninth hour. An unplanned gospel meeting took place. And Peter got to preaching. And some 5,000 people were added to the kingdom at the ninth hour. When things go dark... Remember this, the darkness always gives up. Always gives up. And Pentecost was repeated at the ninth hour. If you don't believe me, Acts chapter 10 and verse number 3. A man by the name of Cornelius, an outsider, a Gentile, somebody the Jews would not receive. But he was a godly man. He was praying. And your Bible says, evidently at the ninth hour, the time of the evening sacrifice, the time when darkness begins to make itself known, at the ninth hour, he has a vision. And there's an angel of God that appears to him And says, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have come before me. Now, go get Peter. And you know the story. How God had to reveal to Peter that it's okay to go to the house of a Gentile. But something happened at the ninth hour. What happened at the ninth hour? God broke the church out of its traditional mode. At the ninth hour... God broke the limitations off the church. At the ninth hour, God expanded the heart and the vision of the church. And at the ninth hour, the hour where things normally start to go dark, is when new birth initiative was given and the gospel was opened to include the Gentiles. When did it happen? When things start 
to go dark. Darkness every morning gives up and surrenders to the day. That being the case, then, what shall you and I do? When we pray with all our hearts for a move of God and we're only met with opposition. You pray for the sick only to find more people are getting sick than are being healed. You you witness the people only to have them shut the door on you. When darkness closes in, God's at work. Amen. God is at work when darkness closes in. He is giving initiative to something new. And therefore, we need to offer our sacrifice of praise. So let me repeat. When darkness closes in, when sickness seems to prevail, when circumstances become heavy, when pressure mounts, when the weight is heavy on our shoulders and our minds, when emotions become heavy laden with the burdens and cares which do not seem to go away, when it's hard to put one foot in front of the other, when the wind has been knocked out of our sail, when one discouragement piles up on top of another, has the enemy of our souls really won the battle? You're a quiet bunch today, really. Has the enemy of our souls really won the battle? The answer is a resounding no. I have attempted to train myself to be an eternal optimist. Why? Because no matter what darkness would press in on my life, It cannot change the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It doesn't change the fact that He died on a cross. It doesn't change the fact that He was buried. And it doesn't change the fact that God raised Him from the dead. It doesn't change the fact that He's ascended high into the heavens. It doesn't change the fact that He is still the King of kings And He is the Lord of Lords. It doesn't change the fact that He is in control. And it doesn't change the fact that darkness every morning has to give way and give up to the light. Amen? Therefore, at the time of the evening sacrifice, it is time to give sacrifice of praise. As was Jesus on the cross... Under the cover of darkness, God is working out the details of our future. He's making everything work together for good. God is closing out one day, and He's bringing in another. So it's time to bring sacrifice to the Lord. It's a choice to rejoice. As the old song says, Let us shake off those heavy bands. Let us raise up our holy hands. Let all God's people praise the Lord. You know that old chorus? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let all God's people praise the Lord. 
Shake off those heavy bands and lift up those holy hands. Let all God's people praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.